We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Today is Monday through the 28th, 2022, and it's a great day to have a day here on the Spurs Up show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. On today's show, we start with some big time announcements in regards to the business as well as upcoming events for you guys as well. Of course, then we dive into the Yardcocks as South Carolina baseball improves to six and one after a series sweep of the George Washington Colonials at Founders Park. Guys, I will break down that series sweep in its entirety. We'll talk key takeaways. Also hand out the ooh, ooh award. Talk slap big of the weekend. Who's hot? Who's not? And talk what's next for Mark Kingston's ball club as well. Also, of course, guys, we'll break down the everything that happened on Saturday night on the hardwood as Salcona men's hoops falls to Alabama by a final score of 90 to 71. Guys, I'll give my biggest takeaways from Saturday. And I also hand out the shooter shoot award and talk what's next for Frank Martin's squad as well. Also news and notes to get into, including Shane Beamer speaking at SEC Media Days. Everything you need to know of when that will happen. Also got a fantastic throwback conversation, a great throwback interview with former Yardcocks outfielder Evan Marzilli as we detail his illustrious career in garnets and black. Guys, we got a packed show for you this Monday. And of course, as always, it's brought to you by the Spurs Up Show Store. Guys, TSUS.store, the best Gamecocks merchandise on the internet. Stay tuned to all of our latest drops, including t-shirts, long sleeves, hoodies, pullovers, stickers, koozies, you name it. We got it again. The best Gamecocks merchandise on the internet and merch you will find nowhere else. So again, guys, that's TSUS.store. That's TSUS.store. The best Gamecocks merchandise on the internet. Let's get it. It's Monday, and it's not just any other Monday. It's the Monday of South Carolina, Clem Sucks Week, the best rivalry in all of college 
baseball folks yours truly fired up here this monday this final day in the month of february hope you're all doing well i'm chris phillips your host of the spurs up show as always and we have got a lot to get into here on this monday guys gonna hope you had your fantastic weekend and i hope this show does find you no matter where you are what you are doing we gotta start with some business updates because some very very big news became official and dropped on Friday, if you will, and I want to share it with you all. And again, guys, on that note, you know, when I talk to people about the Spurs Up show and I talk to people about the business, I always refer to it as we. And I cannot tell you how many times people have asked me, Chris, why do you say we? It's you recording the podcast. It's you making the content. It's you publishing things. It's you doing all the business side of things. Why do you say we when it's you? And I've talked about this a lot on The Daily Crow. I've talked about this a lot in conversations with different folks. But here's the reason why. I say we because without all of those who are first off in my inner circle, my family, my friends, my support system, all of those, though, who support the show, the listeners of the podcast, those who tune into the Daily Crow, those who buy the merchandise, those who show love and share our content on social media, without you all, without the fans and the supporters of the Spurs Up show, we would be nothing, okay? We would be nothing. So I look at TSUS as an entity, as we. It is all of us in this thing together. It is not just me. Am I a very big piece of it? Sure, but it's not just me, it's all of us. And when positive things happen with the Gamecocks, of course, but with business, we all celebrate together accordingly. And that's what we're doing here on this Monday, guys, because huge news that I dropped on Friday and I do want to expand. So really briefly, I don't want to bore you. If you're familiar with podcasts, you will know that podcast hosting platforms are a thing, right? When you create a podcast and you upload it, you don't just upload it straight to iTunes or Spotify or Stitcher or what, whatever platform it is. You upload it to a hosting platform where that be some, something, for example, like Buzzsprout, Red Circle, Anchor, whatever the site may be, you upload it and it disperses, right, to all those other entities for your listening pleasure. So a couple of weeks ago, the CEO of a company called Blue Wire Podcasts reached out to me, wanted to have a Zoom conversation, said they love the podcast, love the content, love our social media, loved everything we were doing. Long story short, had that meeting, had that conversation, also had a couple of buddies that are actually partnered up with Blue Wire right now and was able to chat with them. And after some in-depth conversation and in-depth research, it just made sense for TSUS, especially on the business side of things, that we would migrate over from, we've been on Red Circle the last two and a half years or so, but migrate over to the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Now, I want to make this very clear. What does that really mean for you all? Not a ton. You're still going to get the Spurs Up show the exact same. And I made very sure to be clear, guys, by the way, and I want you all to know this, I made very sure to make sure they were clear and understand we had a mutual understanding that I had creative control. I was still going to rock and roll and make content, do everything exactly how I do it, and that they were not going to put their hands or touch anything in regards to that. And certainly that's going to be the case. And guys, I want you to know, I would never sacrifice creative control for money, certainly for access or anything in between. So what does it really mean for you in regards to the podcast on a daily basis or the Daily Crow or the content? Not going to change a ton. Here's why it's a big deal, though. Because Blue Wire is going to assist 
in helping us bring on national partnerships, national sponsorships. And this was something going in the 2022 calendar year that I thought about and said, you know what? I feel like we're moving closer to that as a business because we are growing, right? The numbers obviously are exponentially growing and that's because of you guys and your love and your support. So again, thank you all so much, but we're moving towards, you know, I love partnering with local businesses, the small businesses across the state of South Carolina or just whatever size business it is. But I really felt like, you know, you know, we're making waves, man. I think a national partner and a national sponsor could make a lot of sense and could be something that could really benefit the end consumer and our listeners and our fans and people that rock with our content, rock with everything we do. And sure enough, Blue Wire is going to help us do that. And again, of course, of course, guys, when you add that in, you factor in that piece of the puzzle, of course, it's going to improve the financial side. And guess what happens when you improve the financial side? The content gets better. The equipment gets better. Everything across the business, the merchandise, all of it gets better. So again, guys, I'm very excited to celebrate this success, this victory with you all jumping on the Blue Wire podcast network. And again, this is going to be something we're going to be migrating over the next couple of weeks or so, I'd imagine. But uh, really excited, man. You know, it's been crazy, this journey with TSUS, the way the podcast is growing, the way the business has grown. And this is just another step for us. And again, to you know, bring on national partners. Again, of course, guys, it helps with the financial side and it helps with, um, you know, just growing the business from that standpoint. But, um, you know, also the legitimacy of the business and, and just having big time sponsors like that and people jump on board like that, these big time companies, these big time brands. If you go to their website, you'll see just examples of some of the partners that they have um, that they've worked with in the past before and they've gotten for their, their podcast, their network now going to be something really, really cool. So again, guys, this is a huge victory, a huge success for all those who rock with TSUS, that rock with yours truly, that rock with every single thing we do. It is a huge opportunity. And again, I'm so excited to jump on the Blue Wire team, the Blue Wire podcast network. And again, it's only going to enhance every single thing that we do. And again, that fires me up because again, we're going to be able to drive more value for your guys, make things sharper, make things even better, even more content bleeding out the eyeballs. And again, I want to say thank you all so much. And hey, cheers to you all. Let's celebrate this one together because again, it's a, it's a victory and it's a success for every single one of us. So again, thank you guys. Cheers to Blue Wire. Appreciate the opportunity and looking forward to what lies ahead. Also, another huge victory and an announcement on this Monday, guys, that I am so fired up and so excited to bring to you all. And I'll go out and as far to say this. If you're not there this Friday, you hate college baseball. I, there, there's just no other way to put it. I, I'm sorry. I'll put that pressure on you because we are officially partnering up. We are teaming up with Carolina Alehouse, our good friends at Carolina Alehouse, to throw an Alegate, a.k.a. Tailgate Friday before the South Carolina Clemson game at Founders Park, the Rowdy Roosters Tailgate, the official tailgate of the Rowdy Roosters, as we get ready to watch the Yardcocks take on the Clemson Tigers in game one of the rivalry series. Guys, Just like last year at the Rowdy Rooster Tailgate, we will be in lot one. First pitch is at 3 o'clock, and we will go all the way up until right before first pitch. Also, also, just stay tuned. Just stay tuned. You might find yours truly going live for the Daily Crow out from the tailgate lot on Friday. Who knows? Wink, wink. You never know. But either way. We are locked in. Carolina Ale House is going to provide us food, swag. We're going to have music. We'll have drinks, all that good stuff. And hey, come get it. 
when it's gone, it's gone. Come get it while you can. But either way, huge tailgate. We're throwing, man, the first of many this baseball season. And again, I really appreciate those guys, you know, supporting, supporting and sponsoring that event and providing all those, all those, uh, you know, those pluses for you guys. But again, would love to see a ton of rowdy roosters out at that tailgate on Friday, three o'clock into first pitch. All are welcome, by the way. I don't feel like I should have to say that, but all are welcome. All rowdy roosters. Hey, rowdy roosters do not pregame with water. So folks, heckle juice will be consumed. We will be out there three o'clock. Like I said, three o'clock until first pitch out at lot one. And if you do not know where lot one is, it is the lot right outside of Founders Park, outside of left field, just beyond it, that grass lot where we had the Rowdy Rooster tailgate a season ago. We will be basically in that exact same spot. So again, guys, be sure to come on out. The TSUS Carolina Alehouse Alegate, if you will, the official tailgate of the Rowdy Roosters, the official pregame as we get you ready for first pitch as the Gamecocks take on the Clemsucks Tigers in game one of the best rivalry in all of college baseball. And again, guys, of course, it is that time. It is that week. And for all you that know me, you know this about me. This week, this series, this weekend is like my Super Bowl. I, I mean, truly, I get as fired up for this weekend as I do for the football game. I, it is personal for me. I'm a baseball guy. I hate Clemson on the diamond. I love seeing South kind of beat Clemson. That There are a few feelings better than watching us defeat them on the diamond. And again, I cannot wait. The content's going to be insane this week. Yours truly is going to be on one yet again. You recall how I was the week of the football game? Well, guess what? You're getting more of the same and maybe even more this week so just stay tuned. Going to be a lot of fun. You know what? We're going to piss Clemson fans off all week long. Heckle, heckle, heckle. Make sure you give the Clemson right fielder hell on Friday night, by the way. And I'll have some content supporting that as well, because you know what? To hell with them. Fuck them. How about that? Fuck Clemson. That's how I'll start your Monday off. Hey, we got plenty of time, though, this week to look ahead. Let's look back at what happened over the weekend as South kind of sweeps the George Washington Colonials. All three games, of course, by a final score, Friday 13-4. to four, And then, of course, the doubleheader on Saturday, they won the game 10-6 to six in game one and 5 nothing in game two of that doubleheader. And you start out with just how sweep it is. Again, guys, I don't care who you're playing. I don't care what the scores are. And I'm going to get more into this a little bit later in just a second about the, the overall temperature check and the feeling of Gamecock baseball fans, at least what I've seen on social media and those who I've talked to. But anytime you get a sweep, you know, it's a good feeling. And again, this past weekend, you knew you weren't playing a team that stacked up to you. It's all about uh, just having something to feel good about early. I mean, again, you look across guys, and I, I think fans really, as you sit six and one now, really shouldn't take for granted just winning. Winning is fun, guys. If you ever get to a point where winning is not fun, I don't care what the sport is. I don't care what the scores say or the polls say. If you ever get to a point where winning is not fun, reevaluate. Just reevaluate your life. Reevaluate the way that you think as a human being because winning's fun, guys. It doesn't matter what opinions I have. It doesn't matter if I want a coach dismissed or if I want this guy changed out the lineup or this guy replaced in the batting order or, or, or this guy, whatever. It doesn't matter what I want. Winning will always be fun. So you know what? Just because South Carolina didn't beat somebody 20 to zero or 30 to zero or by the score you think it should have been, guys, it's baseball. You get the sweep, how sweep it is. You take care of business. Was it always pretty? No, you're still figuring yourself out as a ball club. As Mark Kingston mentioned just a couple of weeks ago, you know, right now, guys are in the season. It's about finding your best nine. 
and getting some young guys experience, giving some young guys opportunities. And they're doing that. And if you want to win as many ball games as you can while you are doing that. So again, you get the series sweep, a series you expected a sweep, but you do exactly what you were supposed to do and you get the job done. Guys, another big storyline, a big takeaway. What is the status? of James Hicks right now, your game two starter, you know, you come into this week and obviously ask what's the status of Julian Bosnick as we get closer and closer to first pitch against Clemson, but James Hicks, what's the deal with him? Uh, obviously coming out of game two, I thought it was just a blister. Mark Kingston saying that it was some arm soreness. You know, I'll tell you guys just from my vantage point, again, I, I'm not 110% sure. Obviously they're going to run tests and all that good stuff, but nothing looked wrong. I mean, I, I didn't see the velo drop or, or anything significant happen. But apparently he was complaining because of arm soreness. Uh, I, I'll tell you guys this. And again, this is not to, you know, be Debbie Downer on your Monday. But I tell you what, you've already got Julian Bosnick as a question mark. If you lose James Hicks, your pitching staff's going to be a lot in a lot of hurt. I mean, there's just no other way to put it. Um, you, you know, there, there aren't many, there aren't many, if any, staffs in the country. I don't care if you're in the SEC or what conference you're playing. There are not many staffs out there that can afford to lose two of their three weekend guys. Uh, after two weekends in the season. Again, we feel like that Julian Bosnick should be okay. Um, James Hicks, fingers crossed, it's minor. But what is the status of him? Is Again, we just sit here kind of waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. We want to find out sooner rather than later. So, again, James Hicks, what's the deal with him coming out of that game? I thought he threw well early, but, of course, just goes out with that injury. And, again, you hope and pray it's nothing uh, major. So, again, we will keep an eye on that. Uh, another big takeaway for me, guys, again, the bats keep rolling. And, again, I, I know many people will look and say, oh, look at your competition or look at the walks and look at the airs. Guys, you had double-digit knocks in two, and th two of the three games. And really the third game, I could argue, you should have had double-digit knocks because I swear the ball that Andrew Eister hit to the third base and hit the heel of his glove – I think he might beat that out anyways. I don't know why they just don't give him the knot there and get to 10 hits. But either way, you know, listen, I, I know it's not necessarily explosive nature. You see a team like Tennessee who's scoring 20 runs in a game, and you see this team, you see that team, what have you. Um, I, I, I can see it. I think the, I think the sticks are there. I, I really do think the sticks are there. Um, you know, again, first two games, you have double-digit hits. I have no issues with how you're swinging it right now. Uh, again, it's got to get better as the competition gets better. The execution's got to get better. You're still leaving the bases loaded way too many times. You're leaving guys on base way too many times. But, guys, I, I mean, how much can you really nitpick? How much can you really complain? Um, you know, I think you're seeing you are missing a little bit of Wes Clark right now and Brady Allen and the home run numbers being down a bit. But, uh, you know, as far as the base knocks and getting on base and guys being productive and – and uh, situational hitting, I, I think it's improved thus far through two weekends. I really do think you're hitting the ball around the yard, and it's about, you know, continuing to find ways to, you know, in different situations, get base knocks and and uh, be better and be sharper in those situations. But I, I think for that weekend, for this past weekend, you know, you did about what you needed to do scoring double-digit runs in two of the three games. You know, you outscore your opponent, what, 28 to 10? Um, you know, I think you took care of business exactly how you were supposed to do. Uh, guys, the big key takeaway for me is – just an evaluation of Will Sanders. You know, I, I think through two weekends, I think Will has been, I think he's been good. I think he's been solid. I don't think he's been that dominant Will Sanders that I think we'll see hopefully beginning this weekend, but later in the year, certainly. You know, Will Sanders, guys, is a guy, the stuff is superior. I mean, the stuff is elite. There's no question. But he is a dude that lives in the strike zone, okay? So contrary to a guy like Thomas Farr, who I think was, effectively wild to a degree, right? He, he was so wild in the sense of like, you know, he kept hitters off balance. They didn't know where he was going. They didn't know when he was coming to the zone and he had elite stuff. 
as a hitter, you sort of know with Sanders, hey, I'm going to get something to hit. So with that being said, you know, Will Sanders is a guy, he's going to get hit every now and then. He, he's going to let his defense work for him. There's no question. I don't see Sanders nitpicking and having a 14, 15 strikeout type of game. Um, I, I think he'll make that adjustment as he gets in a better competition, at least trying to be a little bit little bit more fine and and paint the corners and, and, and run that fastball and let it sink out the zone and, and use that breaking ball differently and that change up differently. But, you know, I, I, can, I can live with what Will Sanders is giving you right now. Again, is he that right now, that overly dominant type of dude? No, but he doesn't need to be in the second weekend of the season. Throw a lot of strikes, be efficient, let your defense, which has been phenomenal, by the way, and has been extremely underrated. I think something we have not talked about enough, let your defense work for you. And uh, again, we know it's in there. Will Sanders will bump it up 94, 95, 96. The stuff is elite. It's big time. And I think we'll start to see that this weekend and moving into Texas and then an SEC play. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's fun to watch Will Sanders pitch. It's a guy that makes it look really easy. Um, I'm sure he makes a lot of kids watching question whether they want to play college baseball or not and face a guy like that. But, uh, you know, it's fun to watch your ace. And, and listen, with the injuries behind him, with Hicks and Bosnick, it's going to put even more pressure on Will Sanders. So, again, can he continue to develop, evolve? Again, they're going to probably let him go a little bit longer this weekend as he takes on Clemson. They're going to say, hey, saddle up. We're riding you. You're our guy. Let's ride you to victory. Um, and, again, I, I expect Will Sanders to continue to sharpen up, sharpen up, sharpen up, and improve and be even better than he's been in his last start as we go throughout the season. Um Final thing, guys, is this. Because, again, I talked about the hitters earlier. I had that listed down here, hitters hit. And, again, you have the double-digit knocks. And I think you swung it fine. But and, and what I don't like to do, because you guys tune in to me to get my temperature check and, and get how I'm gauging the ball club, okay? But, I, you know, I, 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 our businesses, the business is housed on social media, right? Everything we do is on social media. So, so I see what people are saying. And you get sort of a feel on how people feel about the ball club. And I think most people are kind of sitting back saying, okay, you know, you've done what you need to do the first seven games. You're six and one. You got App State tomorrow, all that good stuff. But now you got the rivalry series. Then you got Texas and then SEC. And so things are going to kick in a high gear. And you're going to find out over the next two, three weeks who this team really is. But, you know, I can't help but see some of the comments from people about what this ball club is, what it's lacking. And so I wanted to give you guys, truly, my realistic analysis of this team through two weekends. And the first thing I'll say to that is this. I think it's very wise to not overreact to anything you've seen in the first two weekends. Guys, we've seen Mississippi State lose to Northern Kentucky. We've seen close games across the board. I feel like this is going to be one of the crazier years in college baseball ever. I mean, look at East Carolina. They can't win a game. They're a priest in top 15, top 10 by some publications. You just don't know, man. College baseball, that's what makes it so great is the parity and the uncertainty, and you just never know what's going to happen. But my realistic take on this ball, okay, because I refuse to – there are certain people, you know, the trap folks fall into is there are people out there that – that give an opinion, but they give it from their side of the narrative, if you will, and they're trying to push a certain narrative through their opinion, okay? So there's some people out there that are giving opinions on this ball club that do not like Mark Kingston to begin with. They, they thought this ball club was going to be porous to begin with, or even vice versa, right? They're sunshine pumpers. They think he can do no wrong, Mark Kingston. They think this ball club maybe is better than it, than it actually is. So I want to give you guys my realistic analysis of it through two weekends. Um, 
I'm not the doom and gloom of look at Hicks and look at Bosnick. What's there? I, I think you're getting both those guys back. Okay. And as long as you do that, I still believe this weekend rotation has the makings of one of the better ones in the SEC. Is the bullpen still a bit of a concern for me? Yes. And here's the reason. You're not trotting out 95 after 95 after 95 after 95, okay? And that's not to say you don't have quality arms, because you do. You do. You got guys with good stuff. But the reality is this. You're not trotting those guys out there. I don't know that you're trotting many first-rounders out of your bullpen right now, okay? And we knew that was going to be the struggle area, and we knew that was going to be an area of concern. And again, you've got some guys that have stepped up. But what do these guys do when they get under the lights against Clemson, against Texas, and SEC play? A lot of these dudes are freshmen. A lot of these dudes are youngsters. A lot of these dudes have never really been thrown in the fire. Even the JUCO guys, they haven't really been thrown in the fire quite yet. So we're going to find out. There's guys with good stuff. There's guys that I'm high on, I'm excited about. But I'm not ready to draw a conclusion on whether they're going to be elite, slightly above average, average, below average, what have you, okay? But it's still an area that I look at the bullpen and say, you know, I, I want to continue to see more out of the pitching. It's still, a, it's still an area that I'm a little nervous about. Now, the hitting side of things. Are we perfect swinging the stick right now? No, we're not. We're not. But, guys, as I look at our ball club, and, again, I, I just don't I, – I know there's still some, some, some pessimism out there, and, and I, it's totally fine. You know, there, there's some people that came in this season that, you know, really just were against Kingston and his teams and never been able to hit, which – Still kind of blows my mind, man. I, I just, 2018, we swung the shit out of it. 2019, we had a horrid year. We all know 2020, we didn't have a season. And I know last year, the average wasn't good, but we went 16 and 14 in the league. And right now, through seven games, through two weekends, we are hitting 319. And again, I understand who you're playing. I, I get it. I get it. I get it. I understand. But I guess I would just say this. Allow this ball club to fail before you just completely write them off. Right? Because, again, just because you don't beat a team 20 to nothing, you, 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 don't, you don't take down George Washington, like kind of doing what Tennessee was doing to Iona, 29 to nothing in a game. That, bro, that doesn't prove anything. It's just because you scored 29 runs on Iona, that don't prove anything, man. Now, it's great to build confidence, certainly. It's great to build confidence. It, it, it's great to have a bunch of guys feeling good swinging a stick. It's great to have a bunch of dudes, a bunch of dudes, you know, um, that have high averages and have seen a lot of success and, and, and the baseball looks like a beach ball to them. You know, it's, it's, it's great to have that going for you. And so, again, I don't think you can really draw any conclusions after two weekends. But so while you can't say, oh, this is an Omaha team, after two weekends, I'm also not understanding some of the people I'm seeing that are just saying that, you know, this ball club is porous, they're trash, they're this. That I, I'm not seeing that either. I'm not seeing that either. There are many areas this, this team's got to improve. But, guys, I love having something to work on and something to get better at after a series sweep versus having to learn through real turmoil, like, a.k.a. losing games. You know what I mean? So, these next few weeks will tell us a lot. But overall grade, let's just say you beat App State tomorrow. Overall grade, done exactly what you're supposed to do. Seven and one. I said seven and one. Before the season started, I said, hey, 7-1 and one going into Clemson. I think that's where I see you. And sure enough, there you are. You're probably going to be at 7-1 and one if you can get the win tomorrow night. So that's my realistic take on it, guys. Again, I, I want to give you sort of a level-headed take. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not 
throwing this team a parade and saying that they're, they're going to go to Omaha, but I'm also not doom and gloom of, you know, just because you didn't win a ball game 20 to nothing, that doesn't, that doesn't mean to me, oh, well, you're not very good because you only scored 10 runs instead of 20 runs. Like, come on, man. I, I, I just, baseball's not like that. Style points in baseball, they don't exist. They don't exist. Stop bringing a football mentality to baseball. You win by a single run, you win the ball game. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. I don't care who you're playing. So anyways, going to be really interesting to see over the next couple of weeks who this team is, because we'll find out. We will find out very quickly. We will find out quick. And I will say this to you guys, though, to all those who may be listening, that, you know, you, you're, you, and, and I love people being critical. And I love you being harsh. I do. And the passion, because you know what? I talk about this a lot with basketball. There is no competitive pressure. There are no expectations. There are no people wanting more, right? You, you ask for more when it comes to Carolina men's basketball and, and, and you, get, you get shunned and, and people talk down on you like you're crazy. So at least there are expectations. At least there are fans out there that are providing competitive pressure to Mark Kingston and this ball club. There should be pressure. There should be pressure. So thank you all. I'm actually very grateful for each and every single one of you that you guys are willing to be critical and to demand more, all I'm saying is let's give them the opportunity to show us this weekend. Let's give them the opportunity to show us against Texas. Let's give them the opportunity to show us an SEC play. Because you never know. You never know. This team might do something crazy and go win the next two, three series, and all of a sudden you get hot and guys step up and, you know, they evolve into players they can become and, and they become superstars. You just never know what could happen. So, again, it's going to be a fun ride. Uh, guys, let's hand out and move into the ooh, ooh award, our series MVP for the series against George Washington. And it goes to none other than Gamecock shortstop freshman Michael Braswell. Six for 11 on the weekend, hitting 545, three RBI, four walks. He also threw two-thirds of an inning pitch on Saturday with two strikeouts and a save. Guys, Michael Braswell has faced five hitters this season. He has struck out all five of them. So, again, Michael Braswell, been incredible. He's also been incredible in the field as well. Been so much fun to watch. Certainly a fan favorite at this point. And I tell you what. A guy that needs to pitch more because, you know, he's already lighting up the 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 stadium and the electricity. You can feel it when he's when he's up to hit, and you know he, he's getting big knocks and he's making plays in the field. But when he took the mound on Saturday and that game one again got a little uncomfortably close. When he took the mound, people got on their feet. They started clapping. They started cheering. And you know there are just certain dudes that can spark a fan base. There are certain dudes that can just spark a ball club. Michael Braswell is one of those guys. I, I just, for whatever reason, the way he plays the game, his moxie, his confidence, his swagger, he's one of those dudes, man. He's one of those dudes. So in every single way you can get him involved, he needs to be more involved. Uh, still needs to be more involved. So again, our ooh, ooh award goes to none other than Michael Braswell. Again, guys, I got a good feeling it's going to be the first of many that he wins with the Yardcocks this season. All right, let's move to who's hot and who's not. Who's hot, man? You got to start with Andrew Eister. I mean, we, we gave him the Oot Award last week, and he just keeps it going, man. Seven for 14, hitting 500 the weekend, a homer and three RBIs. Um, the baseball is like a beach ball for this dude right now. D1 baseball, Baseball America, perfect game, 11.7. Whoever else is out there, put some respect on Andrew Eister's name for the love of God. We're begging you. Put respect on his name. Why not? The guy is leading South Carolina right now. Hitting 500. 
with three home runs and 13 ribbies. He is slugging 824. His on-base percentage is 514. And again, I understand the competition, but still, but still, guys, I mean, what in the world? So again, Andrew Eister, flaming hot. Who's not? And I know he got his first collegiate knock over the weekend. It was a bunt, believe it or not. But Cole Messina, off to a little bit of a slow start over the weekend. He went one for 12. I think he was like 0 for 2 or 0 for 3 in his season debut in the midweek. So, hey, I'm very high on Cole Messina. But, hey, somebody's got to get the award. So, sorry, Cole, the pride of Somerville. But he did get his first collegiate knock. So, shout out to Cole Messina. Also, by the way, guys, I almost forgot to mention this. The slap dick of the weekend. And the reason I forgot to mention is this. I love this award, right? We all do. This is a great award. And I always love picking the slap dick of the weekend. However, I am so happy and proud to say for the first time ever, we had a clean weekend. There was no slap dick of the weekend. So congratulations to all the slap dicks out there that they are slap dicks, but kept it together and held it together this weekend. I mean, truly, this is a victory for us all. It's a victory for us all. Kudos to you all. So again, slap dick of the weekend, nobody. You are on your best behavior this weekend from the umpires, the teams, you all on Twitter and social media. Congratulations. You honestly deserve a pat on the back. And uh, yeah, I, I got a good feeling this is going to be the last weekend without the slap dick of the weekend. So either way, no slap dick of the weekend. And I'm actually happy to say that though, because again, feels good to be good. Feels good to get along with everyone and just enjoy a, a stress-free weekend of Gamecocks baseball. Let's talk what's next, guys, for South Carolina, the Yardcocks. Uh, continue along this season early on tomorrow. They'll take on Appalachian State and Charlotte at BB&T Ballpark. And of course, as I mentioned earlier, this weekend, the rivalry series, the best rivalry in all of college baseball, Friday in Columbia, Saturday at Seager Park, and then Sunday at their place. Again, the game tomorrow in Charlotte, yours truly will actually be in the building. So again, if you're going to be at BB&T, would love to hear from you guys. Would love to link up. Going to be one hell of a time. Um, again, going to be a ton of fun. So again, we got a packed week. Things are going to get very, very real this week with the Yardcocks. And guys, like I said, the content around Rivalry Week is going to be bleeding out the eyeballs. It is going to be an absolute blast. So again, guys, you be sure to stay tuned for that. All right, guys, let's move to the hardwood. As the Corkcocks fall to Alabama by a final score of 90 to 71. And I'll say this, guys, it, it was fun while it lasted. It, it really was. I, I, I'm not even trying to be like sarcastic or, you know, whatever. The run was fun while it lasted, but, but this was one that was a no brainer, right? Alabama had beaten you six in a row, now seven. They had beaten you eight of the last nine times, now nine of the last 10. And Frank Martin had never won in Coleman Coliseum, and he still never won there. So, and you also open as an 11-point underdog. So, I, I don't feel like this was one that was all that much of a shocker. Um, I mean, when you looked at what Alabama had, the personnel, I understand the positive momentum you've been playing with. But going to their place and winning felt like a bit of a pipe dream. And like I said, I, I'm not going to be here today to, to beat a dead horse. And, you know, if you, if you think South kind of still got a clear path to the NCAA tournament, then God bless you. God bless you. Kudos to you. That's great. But I think we all realize that to realistically get to the NCAA tournament, you're not beating Auburn. You're not beating Auburn in the final game. You'll probably be a 15-point underdog or so at their place. Um, to get to the tournament, you probably had to beat Bama, win tomorrow against Mizzou, and then win a few in the tournament. So realistically now, I think the NIT is your best bet. And 
What does that mean for the future? Again, let's let's wait until the end of the season to get into that. But you look at this game, again, just on the road, guys, we already know it's so tough to go on the road and win. But when you allow your opponent to shoot 13 of 33 from three-point land, and they also go 19 of 23 from the free throw line, you're just not going to beat anybody. You're, you're not going to beat anybody. The turnovers also killed you, 15 turnovers. And again, I think, South Carolina, you just sort of played like who you were the entire season. You know, I think beating LSU, I think beating uh, beating LSU and then beating uh, who else? Whatever. You know, those home victories that you had, being at home, I think made a huge difference. Listen, it's very hard, like I said, to go win on the road. I mean, that's there's no shame, really, in losing at Alabama. Alabama was a good team. They ranked the top 25 for a reason. But you put yourself in a position to where you had to win that game. You had to win that game. And did it surprise me that South Carolina was down as much as they were? No, it didn't. No, it didn't. Um, because, again, I knew Bama was a quality team, and, and that's why I picked Bama to beat you by double digits in the first place. But there's no shame, really, in losing that team. But in regards to – because what everyone wants to talk about is the tournament and what are the odds and – and, uh, you know, that, that's all anybody really cares about right now, right? There's no point in dissecting what happened in Tuscaloosa. And you got to improve this. You got to improve. No, you are who you are, right? We all know that. So with that being said, my biggest takeaway from Saturday night is this. Our NCAA tournament hopes are officially dead. Um, I think playing for the NIT and, and trying our best to make that, um, that could be an admirable venture. That could be something we do. But uh, I think my butt cheeks are safe, and I don't think I'll be getting a Frank Martin tattoo barring a miracle run in the SEC tournament where you basically win the entire thing. And I know there's some of you out there saying, well, we don't play Auburn anymore. We don't have the tournament anymore. Guys, you got a better chance of losing to Mizzou and losing to Auburn than winning both those games. I'm, I'm sorry. You do. You do. Because pigs will fly when you go to Auburn, Alabama, and beat them in that final game. They, they will. Auburn is the number one team in the country for a reason. They're elite, right? So, you know, I, I think it's safe to say now your NCAA tournament hopes are officially shot. They're officially dead. Um, it was gonna, it was gonna be a long shot, guys. Even if you won, you beat Bama, you beat Mizzou, and then lost. It was still gonna be a long shot, right? It was still gonna be a long shot. So, I think the tournament hopes are officially dead. You can still make the NIT. I think there's still a lot to play for. Hey, you saw South Carolina back in the the Devin Downey and the, and, and the Carlos Powell days of winning back-to-back NIT titles. And those are honestly some of my favorite memories as a, a Gamecocks basketball fan. But I do believe those NCAA tournament hopes are officially dead. I think I'm safe from a Frank Martin tattoo. You know what? I'm not happy to say that. I actually wanted that to happen. It was fun. That five-game winning streak was a blast. But unfortunately, you put yourself in a position where you had zero room for error. And, you know, you faced the buzz solving Alabama team in the road. And, you know, the result is what the result is. So, um, you know, tough L obviously on the road, you know, you'll have to regroup very quickly. You know, if you lose to Mizzou, it's really, 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 really over. Um, and, and it'll be really inexcusable because I think what it will show is that Bama beat you twice. But, but either way, uh, a tough L, you know, I, again, I don't think it's, it's, it's an embarrassing loss or it's a, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a shame to lose to Bama. I think they're a really, really good basketball team, but you just put yourself in a position where you had to win the ball game. And, and unfortunately, you just weren't able to do it. You were not able to do it. So, again, Gamecocks falling to Alabama 90-71. to 71. Again, I, I think the tournament hopes now are officially dead. And, you know, we'll see if you can play out the rest of the way. I think I saw a projection. You were, you were projected to be like a five seed in the, uh, in, the, in the Notre Dame bracket of the NIT or something crazy like that. But um, I, I think that's what you 
I think that's what you're playing for this at this point. I, I think that's what you're playing for at this point. I think the NCAA tournament's completely off the table for this team. Uh, let's hand out the Shooter Shoot Award and how appropriate it goes to our guy, Stevie, Mr. Shooter Shoot himself. Eric Stevenson, 17 points, 7 of 13 from the field, 3 of 7 from three-point range. He was hot, led your team in scoring. Uh, I talked earlier, guys, what's next for South Carolina basketball? Gamecocks take on the Missouri Tigers tomorrow night at home. March the 1st at the CLA, and again, I, I don't have to say must win. I mean, it's just a game where you have to bounce back, show some life. You know, I think if you lose that one in your home floor, Missouri is not a great team by any stretch. It's also a very important game for SEC tournament seeding. And if you want to, you know, talk about what you got left to play for and all that good stuff, you probably still need to win a few to get in the NIT. Um, so the better seeds you can get, the better off you're going to be. But uh, that game tomorrow night at CLA against Mizzou, a very, very big one. So again, guys, that's the full breakdown of what happened on the court, on the hard with the South Carolina Falls to eight and what? Eight and nine? What are we, eight and nine? God, I don't even know the record right now. I'm going to make sure I get this right. That's that's so bad. I don't know the record. Uh, we are eight and eight. Excuse me. Sorry. Eight and eight. I'm, I'm already chalking up that other L. Eight and eight, right at 500 SEC play. And the Gamecocks will look to stay or get back to above 500, above 500 in this game against Mizzou tomorrow night guys before we get out of here and get to our interview really quickly just a quick note uh shane beamer it was announced he is set to speak at sec media days tuesday july the 19th all the way in the summer so again mark your calendars he'll be one of four coaches to speak on that day and of course we all remember last year where he really won sec media days and it's always a lot of fun you know we're right there smack down in the middle of summer things are slow no games are going on and sec media days really serves as a the start of the college football season. Of course, guys, that's the time the week before I drop my, my full predictions, my full preview, my full game-by-game game predictions, and I lock in those for the, the college football season. But uh, officially official, they'll be in Atlanta, Georgia, by the way. Shane, you were set to speak at SEC Media Days Tuesday, July the 19th. Guys, hey, that's going to do it all for me. Appreciate you all tuning in. Like I said, stay tuned all week long the content is bleeding out the eyeballs of course we've still got basketball the women's tournament by the way as the women get their final dub over the weekend appreciate all those that came out to carolina alehouse and harvison by the way in columbia south carolina but the women's basketball team gets a dub over Ole miss uh, a lot of fun to watch feels good to be good of course and um they will be the one seed in the tournament. They will play on Friday. But, again, we'll have full coverage of the SEC tournament this weekend. But going to be one hell of a week, man, with that, with men still going, men's basketball, with the Yardcocks, obviously, in their midweek game, and, of course, the rivalry series. And yours truly, man, it's Clemson week. I'm going to be on one all week long. So, again, you guys buckle up, lock in, make sure you block out time, tell the boss you got something to do on Friday because we're throwing down for the Rowdy Roosters on Friday before that game, before game one. And again, guys, thank you so much for the continued love and support, man. Without your love and support, there's no way we'd be able to do what we do. And again, the Blue Wire partnership and everything we got rocking and working behind the scenes right now. And it, it's just, you know, it's incredible, man. I, I stay so busy with content and so busy with events and, and so busy in the present present moment and just getting after it that I, I don't take a lot of time, really, truly, honestly, to, to stop and reflect. Because, again, a body in motion stays in motion. Man, we keep it freaking moving nonstop. But when you sit there for just a moment, you know, we can sit here right now in this moment and reflect on that at one point, you know, doing this thing in Charlotte, had no clue what it was really going to evolve into and and become and, because of you guys, you know, showing love, showing support, rocking with it, and, and continuing to encourage, man, and, 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 and those words of encouragement. Again, meeting you all at Founders Park and at different games and venues and events, and I will always be fueled by service and by gratitude and by perspective. 
And uh, it's something I'll never lose uh, because, again, we've come a long way. And this Blue Wire partnership is something that is, is a blessing, man, beyond measure, beyond words. And it's all because of you guys, your love and support, man. And obviously the work we've also put in our end, but without you guys, your love and support. And TSUS isn't what it is, and it isn't what it's becoming. And again, I, I'm just so grateful for each and every single one of you guys. Again, thank you all so much. Hope you have a fantastic rest of your Monday and enjoy this conversation with former Gamecocks outfielder Evan Marzilli. During his career, he hit 302, eight home runs, 75 RBIs, and 27 stolen bases. He's a two-time national champion in both 2010 and 2011. He was named the College World Series All-Tournament Team in 2010 and 2012. Also in 2012, was taken in the eighth round of the MLB draft by the Arizona Diamondbacks, a guy who is a proven winner, has so many accolades, there's too many to list off. I'm very pleased to be joined by former Gamecocks outfielder Evan Marzilli. Evan, appreciate you taking the time, man. It's a pleasure to have you on. Yeah, thanks, Chris. I really appreciate it. Perfect. So, Evan, going back, obviously, we know baseball recruiting starts really, really early in the process, right? Like freshman, sophomore year of high school, you're already starting to get letters, you're going to camp, stuff like that. You being a guy, and you were such an integral piece of those national championship teams, being a guy from Rhode Island, talked about from the Northeast, how did South Carolina come about? How did Ray Tanner get in contact with you? Where did they see you? Just what were the list of schools like? What was the recruiting process? And what eventually made you choose South Carolina? Yeah, so it was probably a little different for me. Um, mostly in the beginning, I was talking to Northeastern schools uh, for the most part. Uh, a few Ivy League schools, Boston College, UConn. Um, but I knew I really wanted to go down south, uh, just kind of change the scenery and get into a big-time conference. So I actually played um, my junior summer. I played for the uh, Diamond Devils with John Rhodes down there in Charleston. Um, I played with Chris Owings, Bryson Selleck, a few guys on the team, actually, uh, Colby Holmes. Uh, we all played together. I played there all summer. Uh, we, we get done with high school <clears throat> a little later than the South, so I, I basically went down there for like a month. Um, and then, yeah, Chad kind of – when Chad got the job at South Carolina, I was one of his first recruits. Uh, he got in touch with me towards the later part of my junior summer. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I just couldn't say no. I, I knew uh, if I was going to take my chances anywhere, I'd – go big or go home. <laughs> so you, you probably played when you're playing with the diamond devils. I'm very familiar with them. You probably played at Sarge Fry, right? When you were doing the, uh, the uh, games with them, I, I'm sure the, uh, the allure of playing in that new stadium had to be a big selling point for those guys. Oh yeah, it was uh well, yeah, definitely. But I think uh, more so towards me for me, it was just, I mean, I couldn't believe the campus and everything. I mean, Sarge to me was like, <laughs> I mean, being from the Northeast, Boston College has a decent field, but I mean, I mean, we're talking about Sarge Fry compared to some of the Northeastern schools. It was kind of, I was already blown away, but yeah, I played at the Sarge, uh, incredible, but they were just building it when I got, when I committed, they were just building the new stadium, mm -hmm. so we got to take a tour through that. Yeah, it was kind of a no-brainer once I saw that. <laughs> I'm sure weather had to play a big factor, too, because like you said, you guys starting later, ending later. I know the uh, the weather in Columbia, although it can get scorching hot, is I mean, it's really perfect during baseball season. Uh, it's Yeah, it's incredible. And I was actually surprised at how cold it got, to be honest with you, anyways. So we mm -hmm. got snow a few times in college, and I like it a lot better in the South because you get about six <laughs> days off from school with three inches of snow. So <laughs> a, little, a little better than the Northeast. 
For sure. So obviously you played for a legend, Ray Tanner. You talked about Chad Holbrook as well when he came on staff from North Carolina. But just talk about your first impressions or first uh, interactions with Ray Tanner. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, me and Ray have – yeah, we, we've had some awesome moments of our career. I mean, I, I can't – the guy pushed me in ways that I didn't know I could be pushed, that's for sure. Um, he – I felt like, you know, being from the Northeast um, – it felt like, you know, maybe he would give me, he would jab, you know, kind of jab at me a little more, <laughs> a little uh, with some, you know, some pretty funny jokes here and there. But uh, yeah, no, we had an awesome relationship. He, you know, one of my first interactions, you know, it was kind of just on my official visit and you could just tell from the beginning, he was just about winning. And that's, and honestly, that's, that's who I am too. I just about winning. And, you know, I, as much as I want to do well myself, I just want to win and I've always been a winner and that's just been my, my theme throughout my whole career. I've just always wanted to win. And I mean, he, that's what I saw when I saw him. And I mean, I, I knew we could bond over that. That's for sure. For sure. So I want to talk about your freshman year, Evan, because like I said, you get on campus, 2010 is your first season. You really bust on the scene you play in 63 games at 385, three homers, 12 RBIs. What do you attribute to such a smooth transition from high school baseball to college baseball? Not just playing in college, but playing in the SEC as well. I mean, you're facing top-notch arms every single weekend. But, again, you know, you're able to handle it as a true freshman. You're named to the World Series uh, all-tournament team. I mean, again, what do you attribute that that smooth transition to? Yeah, I, what's pretty crazy is there really was not a smooth transition. I had an awful fall um, my freshman year, like, I don't know if it was, um, you know, just a uptick in competition or whatever it was, uh, mechanical problems, whatever was going on. But I had a pretty awful fall, and uh, it took a lot to turn it around, to be honest. Um, mm -hmm. A lot mentally, um, confidence in myself as a player. But I mean, I did not start right away. I was, uh, you know, I mean, you saw that that team. I mean, we had Jackie in center, Wit in right, Adam Matthews in left. I mean, we got. <laughs> three guys hitting over 330 in the outfield. I mean, it was, it was tough to break in. And I knew, I knew, I, you know, you have to earn that stuff, especially with Ray. He doesn't play true freshman a lot. Um, I had to earn it. And uh, I just, you know, trusted in myself and going out there and playing as hard as I could. And I know my defense could get me some time and I figured the hitting thing out. And uh, yeah, it, it was, it was not smooth as a transition, but it was pretty incredible to see what I came from, from the beginning of my freshman fall to the end of that freshman year. Um, I mean, I, I wouldn't, I guess the thing I could attribute to it would just be, I mean, all my teammates around me is just, they always have confidence in everybody. There was never a, Oh man, this guy stinks. It was, no oh, man, you're going to help us today. No matter what it is, even if it's just laying down a bunt in the eighth inning, like you're going to, you're going to do something today and, and we're going to be pumped about it. So, I mean, I, I would attribute it more to my teammates and uh, you know, making that transition a little smoother than uh than it probably could have been that's for sure for sure so that 2010 season Evan obviously you you guys win the national championship do something that never been done at South Carolina I, I want to ask you though and you mentioned you know when you met Ray Tanner and South Carolina baseball even before then had an extremely proud tradition you know of winning of excellence but when did you know in that 2010 season that like did it ever click for you that you looked around and you're like we may really have like a realistic shot at winning the whole thing yeah, you know, I, I'll never forget the actual moment that I thought, like, wow. It was, 
I think we had just swept Arkansas at Arkansas. And I, I believe they were like number two or three in the country. They had an amazing team. Um, I just remember walking out and getting on that plane and being like, holy crap, man. Like, cause the beginning of the season didn't start off so, so smooth. We kind of started off with a little, you know, hiccup there against Clemson and East Carolina. And then I mean, we hit Arkansas and, swept them and I was just like wow we we are legit and we've come a long way and we're not going back like you could just tell throughout the season it was just like weekend after weekend we gave more and more confidence and then it was just like wow this whatever happened at the beginning of the season that that don't matter anymore and we're gonna we're gonna do something special I I had no clue it was gonna be winning the Caldwell series but I thought man I was like at least we'll just get the playoffs and hopefully get out of regionals (laughs) No doubt. I want to say that 2010 season again, you guys finish up 21 and nine in conference battle with Florida all year long, Vanderbilt all year long. Um, Like you mentioned, that Arkansas team actually finished 13th in the country. So they were pretty good themselves, finished 18 and 12 in the conference. But you guys obviously sweep through the regional round. You sweep through the Super Regionals in what was a really, really interesting Super Regionals in Myrtle Beach against Coastal Carolina. I guess I'll ask you because I've had your buddies, Christian Walker, Adrian Morales, Scott Wingo, a couple of those guys on. And I always find it interesting. They say that they say Coastal was probably the best team that you guys faced throughout the entire postseason in 2010. Would you agree? Where would you rank them at? Oh, yeah, man. Those were the two most stressful games of my life. <laughs> <laughs> Hands down. Both one-run uh, games, yeah. too. Yeah, it was just – it was back and forth. It was honestly incredible. It was so hot, too. Oh, my gosh. But, yeah, it was – I would say as a team, I've never seen – like a team will respond the way they did. It was just like, you couldn't let your foot off a gas pedal for a second with those guys. And you just had no clue what was going to happen. And it was basically like a home game for both of us. So it was just, like I said, I've, I've never experienced two more stressful games in my life. When we went to the college world series, it was like having fun <laughs> because <laughs> after that, I was like, I don't even, I don't know how it would get any more stressful than that. That dog pile in Myrtle Beach, just talk about the emotions. Again, you talk about you're a kid from a small town in Rhode Island coming down south to South Carolina. Um, you know, you knew you were on the cusp of something special, but you never know, obviously, in baseball. But the final out's recorded. You're going to Omaha. I mean, describe the rush of the emotion there. Oh, man. I'd be like uh, just blacking out, I guess would be the uh, <laughs> the, the most accurate term. Uh I mean, I just remember you're just screaming and waving your arms around aimlessly. <laughs> I wouldn't know how else to describe that type of joy. Um, I mean, you're just hugging. And it, it was just one of those things that you – I watched the College World Series my whole life, and now I was going there. I couldn't believe it. I'll never forget, like, rolling up on the bus to Omaha, sitting next to Christian, and I'm like, I'm like, is this real right now? I was like, I've seen this my whole life, and now we're here. And I just, it's just like a – just like one of those moments that you know you never never even dreamed of because you know you look on tv and see how hard it is to get there and we were living we were living it <laughs> that was the cool part so evan i want to talk to you about obviously the carolina clemson baseball rivalry because that year specifically it's well noted you guys go to omaha you lose the first game to oklahoma and you guys show a lot of resiliency as well bounce back beat arizona state come back to beat oklahoma in extra innings and it was a crazy crazy game and then Clemson comes around. You got to beat them twice. You guys do so. You being a guy from Rhode Island, again, maybe the rivalry didn't click as soon as for some other guys, maybe that were in state or whatever. But just talk about the Carolina Clemson baseball rivalry and like how soon did you realize just how big of a series, how big of a game that is? 
Oh man, first first series we played them. I that's when I that's when it really hit me when we were at the Greenville Drive Stadium, and I was just like, I was like, are you serious right now? Like I I can't I can't even describe that rivalry to some of my friends who played at other colleges. I I just honestly don't believe it's the same. Um, and then to face them in Omaha at the end of the year, I mean, it was just like, it it's cool facing them in Omaha because uh, it is a little different. As, as opposed to being in South Carolina because those crowds just get rowdy in South Carolina. But, um, yeah, I mean, I can't even describe the rivalry, man. It, it, you're talking about the whole bat heating thing and all, all that type of stuff. It's, I mean, it, it, it just doesn't end with these guys. And I met some of them when I was done playing, and they're awesome dudes and everything. But, man, in college, we hated them. <laughs> there, was no, there, was no, uh, there was no doubt about that. For sure. So again, obviously, you guys take on UCLA uh, in the, uh, the the title series, if you will. Win that first game, seven one. Blake Cooper throws an absolute gem. That second game, one for the ages. Back and forth. The last game, by the way, at Rosenblatt. Um, again, back and forth. Whit Merrifield gets the walk off hit. I, I mean, just talk about again. You, you go into that game knowing, hey, if we win tonight, we're going to win the whole thing. Um, but the again, the emotions in that game. You know, you hear the ping of the bat, Whit Merrifield hits it to right field. I mean, what, what's I – I have to imagine, again, like you talked about the blackout feeling in Myrtle Beach. It had to be like times 100 when that happened. Yeah, I mean, I wish I could capture that type of emotion and, like, translate it into my 40-yard dash because I'd probably run a sub <laughs> four. I, mean, I don't think I've ever ran that fast in my life just trying to tackle Whit in the outfield. Um, it, was, it was incredible. I mean, it was just, again, like – surreal it you don't realize it because you're in it and you're so focused on what you're doing uh but there's times yeah I mean that was it like once we won it I was just like I think I had goosebumps for like legitimately two hours um it's just everything about that moment the streamers coming down and uh dog piling I remember chasing wit down I was like you better get here <laughs> I was I was getting on him and uh trying to tackle him it, it was a uh, like I said, it was incredible. Uh, it's, it's tough to put that feeling into words, that's for sure. For sure. So, again, 2011, you guys go back-to-back. Back. Um, you know, looking at the 2011 season, you know, I had Adrian Morales on the show, and he described 2011 as a little more business-like versus 2010 where it's doing something you've never done before. Just talk about, again, going back there and winning it again. I mean, was it the same feeling? Did it feel as good, better? Like, Because, again, I, I feel like, Coming into 2011, I know you guys have one goal, and that's to get to Omaha and win the whole thing. We want to close down Rosenblatt, open up TD Ameritrade. That is the number one goal you have. But, again, to go through the grind of an entire season and get back there, I can't imagine, you know, that feeling ever gets old. But, like, what was the differences for you from the 2011 to 2010 season and just how it felt to do it again? Oh, yeah. I mean, for sure, it was uh, different. I can't say one was better than the other, but it was just way different. Yeah, the expectations were – I mean, I don't even know if we, I would say the expectations were higher. Like, it didn't feel like we were were expected to go back and win it again. But, like, ourselves as a team, I've never been on a team that was more, you know – like Adrian said, it's pretty right as far as like, you know, it was business, man. We, we, I've never been on a team that's dominated like that. That was incredible. I don't even, I think we lost one series that year, one, one weekend series. And it was, I mean, everywhere we went, it was just like, I, we felt, we felt like we were national champions. I can tell you that much. <laughs> and I know, I know we talked like we were too. Uh, 
it was it was uh yeah it was different it was more like we expected to go back and we expected to win it because we had done it and it wasn't I mean it's a big deal but once you've done it one time you you realize that okay that stuff you put on a pedestal pedestal is achievable again and uh we fully expected to go back and do some do something great um and we did I think I think that half of that was the attitude for sure have you ever played in a crazier baseball game than game one against Florida in 2011? Oh, absolutely not. That was, <laughs> that was incredible. Uh, I, I mean, I remember in right seeing Jake Williams throw that guy out at home. I, I mean, I could see the entire throw in the air. I, I'll, I'll just never forget it. I felt like that thing was in the air for 15 minutes. And then he threw him out. And, I mean, I know the camera wasn't focused on me. And I'm glad it wasn't because I probably looked like an idiot jumping up and down behind <laughs> – on first base but I, I I mean getting back into the dugout guys just screaming out of pure emotion it, it was I, I I mean Wingo oh my gosh Mooney was, I, I can't even describe it that was uh that was some next level it felt it felt like we felt like God was intervening <laughs> on some of those plays that's for sure it certainly felt like that I was just uh I was blown away in shock yeah, it's crazy, Evan. When you take a look at your career, again, you win two national titles. You go to a third, which is kind of funny. I don't know if you feel this way, but I feel like a lot of times or a lot of people forget about the 2012 team because you guys didn't win at all in a year that, you know, for any other school, that's, I mean, a fantastic year. There's some teams that have never even been to that point. But because you guys had won it back-to-back, -back, you get to the final, lose to Arizona. That 2012 team, for whatever reason, just never gets talked about, which I think is crazy. But – I mean, you look back at your career. I mean, again, you can't be disappointed. You win two of them. You go to a third. Like, I mean, heck, is, I think it's both you and Chris Smog. I think I asked Christian the same thing. Like, is there, is there any college baseball player that's ever had a better career than you guys? I mean, you go to three national titles and win two of them. That's, that's pretty much how you draw it up, I feel like. Yeah, man, we, we, uh, we, I hear it all the time from my buddies that I play pro ball with. Um, I guess you – I mean, in college it felt so normal um, – it felt like that was going to happen every year because it did. But man, when you talk to like some of your buddies when you get to pro ball and none of them even been to a regional, it really makes you feel fortunate for the experiences that, you know, I got to experience. I mean, three times, I mean, you're right. People definitely don't talk about 2012 as much. And 2012 was a special year because we had some young guys that really hadn't experienced anything yet. And they still got to, got to go to the college world series and strapped it on. And, you know, definitely due to some of the guys that were there previously, you know, holding everybody accountable, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I think about that all the time. Um, and I hear it from my buddies all the time as well. Just like how lucky I really am. And I mean, we, we were great. We earned it, but yeah, sometimes you just gotta be fortunate. I mean, you just gotta feel how fortunate you are, you know? For sure. I, I wanted to ask you, how, how much easier did it make it to face SEC pitching, you know, the pitching you got to in the postseason when in every day in practice you're facing guys like Michael Roth, Blake Cooper, Sam Dyson, uh, Matt Price. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Like, how much easier did that make it for you guys? Because I feel like the best arms you were ever going to see, you saw them in your own practices. I mean, you know, so it's nothing foreign for you guys. Yeah, I, I mean – when you, I, I still think the greatest accomplishment that we had was winning 22 straight postseason performances. And mm -hmm. I think about this all the time, but you look through the arms that we had to face, Garrett Cole, oh, my gosh, it, just to start. I mean, you're just, you're just running through first-rounders, Drew Pomerantz. I mean, you're just looking through 
all these first rounders, big league guys that are still in the show doing their thing. Um, yeah, it wouldn't have been possible without, you know, the guys we had even throwing to us. And like I said, we were a, we were a full team. I mean, we, we would talk to pitchers. Oh, how are you going to throw this? How are you going to throw that? We, we were all in it together. So even the knowledge that these guys would share with us was uh, pretty awesome. And, I mean, obviously it helped. But, yeah, I mean, when you got Sam Dyson and Roth and Matt Price throwing you in the fall and spring scrimmages getting you ready for the season, I mean, yeah, it, I don't know how it could get much better than that in college. That's for sure. Yeah, I wanted to say, Evan, one thing I remember about your game specifically when you were in college, obviously a speed guy on the bases, but you were a really, really good situational hitter. I, I think it was in the College World Series a couple of times. You had a couple of hit and runs that, I mean, you literally just could not have drawn them up any better. I mean, was that something – You know, how much work into that part of your game did you put in? Because obviously you go through rounds in the cage, you know, you do a situational round and home run round and whatever, free swing, stuff like that, but like – how much, like, was that something that you just sort of embraced being that guy, like being a really, really good situational hitter? Uh, yeah, I think it also probably caused me to focus a little more, too. Um, you know, I, I think it was one of those things I always performed better in the postseason. And maybe it was because, I don't know, maybe I wasn't so worried about getting drafted or anything like that. I knew it was just about, you know, winning and getting the team. I mean, not that I, I guess, I don't know. I guess I wasn't too worried about that stuff in the season, but in the postseason, it was straight up about winning and, you know, situational hitting, things like that caused you to focus a little more. And uh, I mean, it was just one of those things every year I, I perform more in the postseason and situational hitting. I've always kind of been good at it, whether it be a focus thing or, you know, maybe it's just, yeah, I mean, I do definitely do work at it, but um, yeah, I, I think it might just be that level of focus need to be it requires a little more and uh yeah it seemed it seemed that like there were every situation I needed to get something done felt like I did for the most part <laughs> I played situations where I didn't I can promise you that <laughs> no doubt so 2012 obviously you get taken eighth round of the MLB draft um two questions one I mean just describe the feeling of I, I, obviously that's the goal since you're a child you know a kid is to get drafted and play professional baseball to so describe the feeling of that but also was there ever any consideration to come back to USC for your senior year and go for another one again? I know the eighth round is it's pretty hard to turn down, obviously, but uh, was there ever any consideration to come back in 2013? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, the, t the toughest thing was that was the first year of the new draft. Hmm. So wh where you got picked, you were slotted a certain amount of money. So, uh, you know, getting picked higher the next year as a senior, it was – yeah, I would have been tough to make that much money again. Um, so it's, it was one of those situations where it was, you know, it, it kind of felt like the right thing to do um, at the time. But, yeah, there was definitely considerations about going back um, if the money wasn't there. I mean, it's just one of those things where, you know, sometimes you just got to do what you got to do. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, I had to leave. But I believe it was the right decision at the time, and I have no regrets about that, that's for sure. So, Evan, you've had a really long minor league career, and I forgot to ask you off the air before the show if you're still playing, because I know you said you're still training and stuff like that. I mean, you played as recently as last season, but bounced around a lot. I mean, you've been literally to every, from every level, from rookie ball to triple A. I mean, it, you, you have been up and down as much as anyone that I've ever seen, but a really successful career. But just kind of talk about as a whole, you know, life in the minors, how it differs from college, and just kind of what the uh, day-in, day-out life is like for a minor league baseball player. 
Yeah, it's probably way different than most people think. Um, yeah, my career's been crazy. I feel like I've been kind of sitting double A, triple A since, oh gosh, 2014, which is a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's tough, man. It's, uh, it, it's been an interesting career for me, for sure. I, I am still playing uh, right now, still trying to get on a team. I'm a free agent right now. But yeah, it's it's one of those things, man, where baseball is definitely different in the pro level as far as when you get to double AA, A, triple A, the ins and outs of the game are much more prevalent. Um, you learn way more because you have to. Um, the, the pitchers and everybody are way better. The hitting, it's especially now with all the data that we get, um, it's pretty insane. Uh, li- the lifestyle, I mean, I've been to so many cities. I mean, it, it's been it's been awesome. I'm gonna be honest. Like, I, I think some people. We'll talk crap on it, um, saying how hard it is, how brutal it is, sleeping on an air mattress for seven months. But if you can get over that, <laughs> I mean, I don't think it's that bad. Um, I, th- I think it's I think it's a very fortunate opportunity. You can only do this for so long. And I've seen places all around the country now that I never would have seen without it. I've met people because of that. I've met my, my wife because I played in Reno. <laughs> so I got to meet her there. I mean, I, I'm, I'm thankful for every single part of it, whether – whether it's as, it's definitely not as glorious as people think. I mean, crap, I sleep. Like I said, I'll sleep on air mattresses for <laughs> coming up like seven months going here and there. But uh, I, I got to be honest, man, I, I love it. I love playing. Um, I love the people I've met. And you, you truly find out if you love baseball in the minor leagues. It's not a uh, – it's, it's, it's not, you know, in college you have all the cameras and the nice fields and the big stadiums, huge crowds. It's not like that. It's uh, you're in it because, because you love the game. And when you see those guys in the big leagues, they're there because they love it. They're not just there because, you know, for, you know, for the money, for all that stuff, they're there because they love it. You couldn't get to that point without being that way. That's for sure. No doubt. You talked about it already, Evan. I mean, you're a guy that's bounced around from double A, triple A, you know, and for people that don't realize that's one, literally one level away from the professional ranks. I mean, how close, what, what are the biggest things I'll say you're working on right now in your game to get to that level? And I mean, how close do you feel like you are? Cause again, you've been extremely close to, to getting that call up. Yeah. Again, it's, it's been crazy. Uh, I've been to like three different, big league camps now um so i mean i've I've been on the edge and who knows what kind of conversations i've been in when uh people get injured but i guess the biggest thing that's always come down to me is uh consistency hitting wise and that's kind of what i've been working on um this year especially this off season i, I obviously i do every off season but i kind of went went and saw some guys this year um and try to figure some stuff out on a uh you know, on a, on a deeper level and kind of really figure out what the problem was. Um, it's, it's one of those things where hitting's tough, man. And if you don't have the right mechanics in the upper levels, it's, it's very, very hard to compete at a high level and especially enough to get to the big leagues. Um, so you got to figure that out at some point. Um, some guys have it, some guys got to figure it out. And, uh, you know, it's just one of those things where I'm figuring it out. And uh, I, 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 believe in myself as a player and in my defense especially and that you know when I do figure this out that it will I'll I'll be up there and I'll be I'll be a force you know and that's uh that's all you can do is just keep believing in yourself the second you don't I would suggest getting out because (laughs) it's good it's a a tough uh it's a tough road if you don't believe in yourself that's for sure 
No doubt. So obviously a bunch of your teammates or a couple of your teammates are at the pro le- at the MLB level, um, having a ton of success. I mean, you look at what Jackie's doing, you look at Christian Walker, you look at Whit Merrifield leaving the, leading the MLB in hits. I mean, and then a ton of others, obviously in the, you know, the minor league ranks along with you, but how, how often do you keep in touch with those guys? And I guess just how cool is it to see, you know, guys that you were literally teammates with on those teams having so much success at the MLB level? Oh, it's incredible. I mean, Christian, Christian's like still my best friend. I mean, we, we I'm talking to that dude like twice a week. Um, <laughs> but I mean, it's, it's amazing, especially Christian, to be honest, like he, that guy, he had to figure some stuff out. I mean, that just shows how competitive it is because he was one of the best hitters I've ever played with. And he had to get better. Like he had to get better to be where he is now. And like that, that guy never gave up when he had every excuse to kind of like, oh, you know, feel sorry for himself. He never did. Um, I mean, you look at guys like Witt too. Witt had to sit around in AAA for a little bit and mm-hmm. wait for his shot. But man, he was ready when he got it. And Jackie, I mean, just a superstar. It's, it's the, it's really cool to see these guys because, you know, during the time at college, you know, I, I don't know if we were, we were necessarily known as the best South Carolina team. It felt like uh, people always thought some prior teams were, were better than us, but somehow we just had like this magic. But I, I, I had a feeling when I was playing there, I was like, you know, we got some guys on this team that are incredibly talented, especially like defensive wise that, mm. you know, I, I thought that was the ma- one of the main reasons we won it. And, you know, I just, to, I'm not, I'm not really surprised to be honest, to see all these guys have such success. They, they're so incredibly talented. And I mean, just the attitudes they bring. I mean, I, I learned so much from these guys playing with them in college. And, you know, obviously I hope they learned a, mu- a bunch from me too, but like, it, it's so cool to play with those guys and learn so much like on a day-to-day basis, like me and Jackie shagging in the outfield together. Like, even if we never talked that much, it was so cool to see some of the stuff he did because you bet, you bet your butt that I took some of that with me when, when he left. So it was just a really cool thing. And, uh, Man, we, we, we had so many incredible players and mindsets on that team. I'm, I'm thankful for playing with all those guys, and I, I wish them the best because they're just incredible people on top of it. Absolutely. So, Evan, switching gears a little bit, uh, really switching gears, you're a guy that you don't just have talent on the baseball field. You're also musically inclined. I don't know if you're still playing, but I remember specifically in your college <laughs> career, you playing the national anthem on the electric guitar. That was like a big thing. Oh, man. Um, I guess just talk about sort of where that came from. I mean, again, it, you being musically inclined, I mean, not everybody has that skill, and you certainly do, but uh, just kind of talk about that, where it came from. And I guess how cool was it to play the national anthem at Founders Park? Oh, yeah. It was uh, – <laughs> I'm kind of a weird dude when it comes to stuff like that. Um, I, I've, I've always played instruments my whole life. I, I was in band in high school. I played oboe and clarinet. I uh, picked up guitar in high school. I, I was in a band with some guys too. Um, <laughs> we were, I, I played some shows. Yeah, man, we were, it, it was pretty cool. We, uh, some, some of my buddies are like legitimate musicians in like Nashville and all in the Northeast nice. and stuff. So I, I learned a lot from them, but uh, yeah, incredible. That was hands down. Now I talked about Coastal being the most nerve wracking game. Playing the national anthem was the most nerve-wracking thing I've ever done in my life. No doubt about it. Like nothing, nothing even comes close to that. It is that was 
I, I still can't believe I did it. Honestly, I, I can't believe I did it. If I'm really thinking about it and being <laughs> honest with myself, I'm surprised I said yes, but I did. It made digging in think, the box. You can thank Whit Merrifield for that. <laughs> yeah, dig, I was going to say digging in the box that night was a breeze compared to compared to having to play the national anthem. Oh, my gosh. Man. I, I could play the national anthem. I was legitimately probably playing it like 50 times a day. I, I like I could play it. I could play it while I was having a conversation with you. That's how bad I didn't want to mess it up. And <laughs> I'll tell you one thing: the coolest part about it was the sound check we did on the stadium um, before. I, like playing, I was playing like Thunderstruck by ACDC on the speakers mm. with nobody in there, and that was like that was like <laughs> worth the whole thing. I was like, even if I mess it up, this is the coolest thing because I've never played in like surround sound stadiums before. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So I'm curious to ask you, Evan, you know, for a guy that has so many great memories, it's crazy. I was taking a look at your career before the show and I was like, there are literally so many accolades for this dude. I, I cannot list them all. I feel like, but for somebody that has so many great memories, when you look back at your career at South Carolina, I mean, if you had to pick one memory that stands out that you still think about this day, that's the best memory while you were in Garnet and black, what's that one memory for you? Uh, you know, at the thing that popped to my mind first, and I'll just say that one, the coolest thing I thought that happened to me, um, I mean, obviously there's a bunch of team stuff, but the thing that sticks out to me the most was my last at bat at Carolina Stadium. It was like, it, it seemed like all the fans kind of knew that was my last one at the stadium. Um, me and Christian both, we got like standing ovations. Uh, I was against Oklahoma in 2012, and it stands out to me because like, I just can't believe, like, I, and I know it sounds cliche, but the fans, like, I, I just, the support that we got and uh, for them to have enough wherewithal to, like, kind of know that that was it because of the draft and all that type of stuff. I know it seems selfish, but, man, I, I, I was, like, that was the closest I ever came to, like, crying while I was playing the game. I, I was just, like, that was something next level that I never, ever, ever would have dreamed of as a high school player. And to end, to end my last game there with, like, a standing O, oh, man, I couldn't even I – was, I was more nervous for that than my first at-bat at the college world at – the, at, the, at Founders Park. That was my first, like, time in my life where I, like – I almost, like, lost all my emotions. And it was, it was really cool. Um, I, just, I just felt at, for the first time it kind of all hit me, like, how grateful I really was for the opportunity to play there and have uh to have those type of fans man I'll, of course i just popped up to center field like a like an idiot but <laughs> i mean it was i took the hardest hack of my life i think but i was like oh yeah i'm going deep right here yeah and of course no probably slider um but the uh yeah man it was that that's that's that was the first thing that popped in my head so i'm just gonna go with that one but man i just i'm so grateful for that opportunity to play in front of those people and those coaches and just everything that had to happen for me to get to that point. Like it was just kind of like a, Oh my gosh, like this is, this is real life. Wow. Like people, this is what it's like to experience something like that. And man, I'll never, I'll never forget that. And I, I mean, I just, again, when I think of that moment, I just think about like how grateful I am for the opportunity and everything that happened to me while I was at school. That's awesome stuff. Well, Evan, I'm going to get you out of here. One last question, though. i got to ask you this one. When you look back, your funniest Ray Tanner story or a Ray Tanner story that sticks out. I know he's a uh, he can be a pretty comical guy, obviously, as hard as he is on you guys sometimes. But uh, is there a Ray Tanner story that you can tell in the airwaves that just kind of sticks out to you? 
Oh, you should ask me this in the beginning of the show. I'm the guy to ask. <laughs> uh, uh, man, funniest thing he's ever said to me. Uh, if he's listening to this, I'll probably love this. But uh, we, I, I was, it was my freshman year. I had uh, I gotten doubled off at second base. Right? Double play. I got, like, got off a little too far. I got doubled off. Well, <laughs> the next day, he gives me the start against Tennessee. I was a pinch run the night before. I got doubled off. Pinch. I'm, I'm starting the next day. Um, I'm in the outfield warming up. And I, I know everybody on the team will know this one. And, uh, you know, obviously, Ray knows I'm from Rhode Island, obviously. Um, and he goes, he comes up to me while we're stretching. He goes, Marzilli, let me tell you something. You get picked off or doubled off one more time. You can walk right out that gate out in left field. Hit up I-95 North, and we'll send your stuff to you. <laughs> and to this day, nobody w- does not know that story that has played with us. Um, but, yeah, the whole head up I-95 North back to Rhode Island, <laughs> we'll send you stuff to you. That is for sure one of my favorite Ray Tanner moments. And, uh, yeah, I did, let's safe to say I don't think I ever got doubled off again. But <laughs> that's, hey, hey. That, that's, that's probably my favorite. Is it one of those things where in the moment the entire team laughs, or you kind of have to keep it keep it together and then just laugh about it later? Yeah, he kind of he kind of said it quietly. I think it just got around because I just had to tell people. I, I was right. like, man, that was the funniest thing I ever heard. I I think I told Christian, and then oh, Holbrook just ran with it. Oh yeah, it, it it was it was one of those things where you talk to anybody from the team, especially the coaching staff, they'll remember that. That was uh, hilarious. Um, yeah. I, I, I have so many of him, man. We we uh, he's a hilarious guy. A lot of people. I wish he would have been mic'd up more. <laughs> that would have been. You could have made a. We could have made a reality TV show out of that. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I've had people on before that tell me he's like a guy that like he. They talk about the baseball gods. Like he he is the baseball god. Like if he if he wanted to rain out, it would rain. If he said it wasn't going to rain, it wouldn't. Even if he said it was a hundred percent chance, like he he knew it was going to happen before it happened. I mean. You know, I, we've heard the story of, at Coastal about how he knew, you know, Jackie's going to hit a double, Chris is going to come up, hit a home run. I mean, it just – it's crazy. It seems like there's so many good stories out there about Ray Tanner. It's just wild. Yeah, you almost get like – you almost like want him to be wrong one time. He's like, ha, I told you. <laughs> but it never but it never happened. <laughs> he was just right all the time. After a while, you just, you just give up on, on waiting for that day. It just never happened. <laughs> That's so awesome. Well, Evan, really do appreciate you taking the time. I mean, I know I, I speak for all Gamecocks when we say it, it was a pleasure to watch you, watch you guys do what you did, obviously, on the Diamond. And uh, obviously, wish you wish you well with the rest of your career. I, we'll be looking forward to it. I'll be following along. And uh, who knows? I mean, I, I think uh, I think you deserve a shot at the MLB level. But uh, if nothing else, like I said, wish you well, wish you health, and uh, looking forward to uh, getting you back on the show sometime, man. Yeah, that sounds great, man. Thanks for having me.
This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.